The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. As we go along, there are hearing assisted devices just around the corner, mm-hmm. if, if that's useful for you. Um, yeah, my name is Kodo, Kodo Conlin. Uh, I live in San Francisco, so I, I travel down here to be with all of you. I take a lot of joy in insight meditation, vipassana practice, this tradition. Um, I've been practicing meditation for about 20 years, and um, that has added up to a lot of hours, a lot of wrong turns, which turned out to be right turns. I hope we uh, all have such good fortune. Um, I think the thing I want to communicate at the beginning, just to echo something Tanya just said, is um, yeah, inviting you to be comfortable in the space, whatever that whatever that takes for you. Um, finding your way, being comfortable in the body while while we're here together, because I think that supports us being together in community. And I think uh, one of the one of the benefits to all of us being here together and being here online is that we have other people we're going through this course with and uh, connecting, starting, starting to make those relationships as we want to. Uh, so I think that's all for me. Great. So I'll just say a couple more words and then Kodo will do posture. Um, so you're here to learn mindfulness practice, mindfulness meditation. So it is... Um, From Buddhism, Buddhism cannot exist without mindfulness, but mindfulness can exist without Buddhism. So there's no requirement for you to be a Buddhist, to be here, or to practice. You can have any other spiritual or non-spiritual beliefs and practice mindfulness. Okay? So permission. You don't need to agree with, you know, any philosophy or approach. It's about a practice, and it's a direct practice. It's a practice that supports us in connecting, right, in connecting with our inner experience with more depth and our outer experience with more ease. Connection, depth, ease. And the practice helps us um, gain choice and reduce our reactivity. So the invitation, as much as possible, is to be comfortable, to allow, to know what's happening as it's happening. So this is why we're emphasizing, you know, this idea of it's okay to be in your body. It's okay to sit however you need to sit. It's okay for whatever thoughts and feelings to come up. And we're practicing being with in a connected and non-reactive way to our experience. So that's what will grow. It's kind of the big thing will grow. All right, Koda, do you want to guide us on sitting posture? It might be helpful if I use the, the ear mic. Absolutely. Switch. Big invitation. As we go along, discovering... Uh, the, posture for the next 10 minutes. If you need more supplies, you probably saw them on the way in. We have cushions, blocks, 
uh, benches right around the end of the what was probably a stage here, uh, and of course chairs. So as I'm talking, if you if you discover something that will support you in uh, finding the posture to help you stay alert uh, and comfortable for a, a stretch of 20 minutes, 30 minutes, then um, yep, please get up and feel free to get the supplies. So a a basic definition of mindfulness to start with is a clear, stable, non-judgmental awareness. That's attentive, attentive to what's happening now. Clear and stable, not entangled at all. And there's something actually that we're going to we're going to express that with our bodies. We're going to express clarity stability, and balance. A couple of different ways we can go about the finding the basic postures. I'm going to talk about sitting on the floor, sitting in a chair, and uh, I'll, even, I'll, I'll mention lying down practice, which I, I did for about a year. So maybe uh, let's say something about uh, the sitting on the floor first, since I'm here. So, have what you need, Steve? Great, great. Um, well, there are certainly some, some benefits to sitting on the floor and that it lowers your center of gravity and can give you a wide base. I want to say before I begin talking about sitting on the floor, perfectly, perfectly wonderful to sit in a chair for meditation. I, lo- I love that the, uh, the images, the mythology of the future Buddha, he's sitting in a chair. So you're in, you're in good company if, you're, if you sit meditation in a chair. So regarding, regarding all postures, the most important thing is an alert spine. An upright spine that's both energetic and allows the body to relax. There's really something about uh, having, a, having a spine that's balanced on itself in such a way that the body is alert, that all the, the muscles can start to balance and let go and release. So some particular pointers. I'll be brief with the, the time that we have. Sitting on the floor, everything starts with the base. Everything needs a foundation. For your spine to be upright and alert, we have something like a tripod down here. But uh, one point is the, the sit bones on the cushion. If you're on, if you're on a cushion, sitting on the front third can be helpful to get the spine to align the, in a comfortable way. There, there are any number of cross-legged postures, but uh, a balanced one we recommend is one leg in front of the other, called Taylor fashion or Burmese fashion. Uh, this, can, this, is, this both helps to uh, be symmetrical and uh, also doesn't put too much torque on the knees or on the hips. And I invite you as we go through to feel free to play around with these different postures. As we go through the five weeks, Like, really spend some time finding what works for you. Something I'll say, if the hips and the knees are really tight, in order to help lower the knees, can be helpful to raise the hips. So sometimes I'll sit on two cushions, and it raises this situation. Or sometimes a, a knee doesn't want to come down, but we need, the, we need the weight of the leg transferring to the floor, so put something underneath. 
If you're going to support, if you're going to support a knee, something to exp- something to experiment with or something to make note of, is that you you want to try to have the the hips above the knees. If the uh, if the knees are above the hips, it makes the back of the the low back sort of turn out. I love seeing everyone move, move, moving around and trying this out. So yeah, please feel free. Great. Would you like? Oh sure. I'm going to sh- I'm going to show you another posture, and then we'll move up from there. So. Great. Yeah. Great, great. So, I appreciate this so much. So, Finding, a, finding a, a, a way for your lower body to be arranged such that the spine can be upright and alert. It may be cross-legged. Let me show you another base posture before I sort of build the rest of the posture up. And that is, you may sit kneeling like so, where you turn one of these cushions up like a wheel and sit like, sit like this. That may be, that may be more balanced. Yeah. Experiment. Please do. Please experiment. Yeah, this will take some time. So finding finding the base finding the base that supports the spine to be upright. The shoulders can roll back. The hands we say can do, can do anything where they're symmetrical. A lot of people will do um, palms down on the thighs, palms up is fine. Um, very traditionally, we'll have uh, one, palm, one hand on top of the other with the thumb tips in front of the low belly. Whatever works for you. Something you want to look out for when placing the hands is to, to not place them in such a way that your shoulders get pulled forward. Trying to maintain that front-back balance is really important. Otherwise, a real strain, a real strain comes to the back. So... This can help with that, resting your hand on a pillow. Nice. Um, So from here, one way you can really get into an upright position... So once your base is settled, you can sort of lift yourself off the seat and let your spine grow nice and long. And then lower back down. And doesn't your spine feel just a little bit longer, straighter? The chin, we say, is just barely tucked. Or another way to think about this is putting some space in the, in the, the last vertebrae under the skull. So the chin is tucking just like this to give some space up here. In this tradition, we sit with the eyes closed, if you're comfortable. If you've trained in another way with eyes open, that's fine, too. Mouth is closed. Um, I like to say relax the tongue. I keep it, uh, keep it at the, 
the contact with the palate, the top, but soft, soft. I find if there's tension in the mouth, there's all this tension in the face and the neck that can develop. One thing to check as you're establishing the posture is does your head feel balanced? Like feel around. Is your head square on your shoulders? Are the ears lined lined up with the shoulders in such a way that your, your back muscles can relax? Wonderful. So a thought or two about sitting in a chair. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, right on. Go ahead. How important is it to sit without back support? Oh, that's fabulous. Thank you for the question. Um, I can say it's, it can be really helpful to sit without back support in the sense that it, it helps support the, the attitude of uh, independence, self-reliance. I, it, may, it may be good to know that I, uh, I sit with a back injury. So very often, can I have your support cushion? Very often I'll need a little something in my, at my low back. So on a chair, still try to, keep, try to keep the feet flat on the floor. If you can, have your knees a little lower than your hips or right at the same level. But sometimes I'll tuck just a little support back here. It really helps the, really helps the low back. I try to minimize how much I lean, lean on this. So if, I, if my back feels healthy and I don't need the support, I'll actually sit on the edge of the chair. or something like this that feels really comfortable. If you need back support all the way up, which sometimes, sometimes that's necessary, you can roll up a towel or put one of these in half and put it along the spine such that the shoulder blades can still relax back. So I, I hope that responds to the, the question on YouTube. So those are some of the basics of posture. The upright alert spine, having the, the sitting base established, hands not pulling the shoulders forward, everything sort of aligned and open. I love this. Hillary, Hillary's helping with the posture clinic of sorts. If at any point as we go along, or in any of the breaks, if you have questions about your posture, we can, we can certainly address them. It's really well worth investing in the time to determine the posture that works for you. It can make all the difference in uh, establishing a practice in a, a more useful way. Yeah. So I think with that, go back to Tanya for a while. Feel comfortable right now where, where you're at in your postures? Okay, and uh, I think I'll just say one more thing about posture, which is, um, you know, it's, it's okay to be a little bit uncomfortable. And it's important to respect your body, right? 
So um, if, you're fr- if you have an injury or if you're afraid you're starting to hurt yourself, just take a breath, recognize it's important to move and move with consciousness, with awareness to change your posture. Don't make yourself stay because you're not supposed to move. Meditation, we're teaching in in this environment, it's like a gym, right, to grow and strengthen our mind and our mindfulness, but we want to do this in all of our lives, really, to be more aware. So it's not that we have to not move. We don't want to hurt ourselves. It is possible to cause injuries to ourselves if we overdo it in a posture. So nerve damage can happen. It's not common, but I've known people who've had it happen, so it's important to to not feel like you have to, you know, sit through pain, a lot of pain, okay? We'll talk later maybe when we do the body about working with pain um, to support people who do have injuries or just physical pain. So now I want to shift and talk a little bit about how to prepare the mind because we're preparing our bodies which is also supporting and preparing our mind but when we come to practice when we come to practice meditation it is helpful to do things to orient the mind to prepare the mind before you actually begin to formally sit so some of the things that I'm thinking of um, naming you know, for you tonight is just Number one, please give yourself permission to have any and every experience you have tonight. So whatever thought comes up, whatever mood, whatever feeling, please give yourself permission to, to know it, right? To have it. That it's not about sitting down to try and create an experience. It's about learning how to show up for the experiences happening. Does that make sense? So I asked earlier about kind of expectations or why you were here. And so just take a moment and just maybe reflect a little more deeply. And, you know, a lot of times people start to practice because they're suffering. So maybe one of the reasons you're here is that you don't want to be so anxious or you don't want to be so depressed or because you don't want to say stupid things anymore or you know you or maybe you want to be free you maybe have a deep aspiration for freedom so those things are all really important and they can support your practice held in the right way no but no mud no buddha right no suffering, no freedom. You know, we, we can use all of our experiences to help support our awakening. And if we sit down with an agenda, we will suffer more, right? If we're trying to make ourselves be different, have a different experience, we're not going to find much peace. So... Our, our minds works in a way that 
It weaves together all of our different sense experiences that are happening in the moment, coupled with our memories from the past and the learnings that we have and our beliefs and perceptions. All of this stuff in our mind is a weaver, and it weaves it all together. So much so that, you know, if we uh, are often going along, we don't... We don't, we're not even aware of all this, the separate pieces and things that are, that are feeding the experience we're having. We might not even know that part of the experience that we're having is actually based on past or expectation instead of what's really happening in the moment. We may not even know that. So one of the ways that we go about learning to practice mindfulness is that we break apart parts of our experience. So the first, and we start to learn more about each part. We get intimate with it. So that we become much more familiar with how that flows in us, how that shows up for us, how it influences us. And over time, we become increasingly attuned to these different aspects of our experience. This week, the first week, we start with mindfulness of breathing is our primary kind of investigation. Next week it will be body. And so the work you do between now and next week will be on breath, and that work will lead and support working on body awareness. And then the third week we'll start to focus on emotions. So the breath and body will support your ability to be more mindful of emotions. Fourth week will be the mind for thoughts. And again, we're, we're building. We're building and we're also helping ourselves get intimate with each aspect. They're all interrelated. I don't mean that they're not interconnected. But we can attune more finely to each one independent from the others. So tonight, this week... It's going to be about the breath. This thing that our bodies know how to do. The first thing that we did when we were born. And the last thing that we'll do on this life is to exhale in this world. It's our longest companion. And it's a changing experience and it's much easier for the mind to tune into something that's variable than to try and pay attention to something that's unchanging relatively unchanging so when um when you're doing certain kinds of uh, there's something called EMDR a kind of therapy and you're stimulating the bilaterally the brain if you have this stimulation, it might be a tap, tap, tap. If it goes tap, 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 same speed. It doesn't take very long for the brain to absolutely ignore it. It stops being input because it's no longer c- causing the mind to pay attention to it because it's been figured out and it doesn't need to be attended to. So I say this to emphasize how important it is 
to be tuning into something that has some degree of flow and change in it, that that's part of what helps our minds stay connected just because of how we're wired, just because of how we're wired. So I just want to, we're going to sort of glide into a meditation here as I'm offering these instructions. You might notice I'm slowing down in my talking. Invitation is to sort of let things come to more of a stillness. So finding your body, maybe acknowledging, okay, here I am, we're at IMC. Oh, whoa, fast forward. We actually have gone through the posture, introduction. We're going to meditate. Okay. A couple of deep breaths can be a nice support, nice reset for the start of a meditation. Feeling the support of your feet if they're on the floor, your bottom if it's on a chair. And if it's comfortable, you might try shutting your eyes. And if it's not, no problem. You can gaze. Typically we say a few feet in front of you on the floor or it's some sort of blank, bland object. So your eyes can just sort of gaze there. So just taking a second to see what you can notice here. As you just receive your experience, maybe making the breath the star of the show, a little spotlight of awareness on the experience of breathing. Noticing if it's long or short. fast or slow. Just being curious, curious about the experience of breath. Noticing if there's a difference between the inhale and the exhale. can feel the breath in the body in a lot of different places. 
Maybe noticing first how you experience breathing in your nose. Noticing perhaps in the throat. The chest. In the belly, receiving the language of the body, which is sensations, receiving the massage of the breath as it comes in and goes out. Just seeing where you are most aware of the breathing, where it's most natural for you to feel the breath. And wherever it's easiest, just sort of resting in that space. Maybe relaxing a little bit more. You might think about yourself as a naturalist. Somebody who's very committed to non-harming and observing nature. not there to make anything happen or change anything, but to be a beautiful witness, to take in the beauty of the nature, the life, with this reverence, with this sense of respecting the life which is what we experience with breath, life.
So with the mind and the heart of a naturalist, just being attuned to breathing as it's occurring in this body, in this moment, in this place, and how this breath is. And the next breath. And when, because it will be a when, when the mind maybe catches you and carries you downstream in a thought, there's a precious moment when we recognize that's happening. When awareness is aware of thinking We don't need to go anywhere. We don't need to change anything or try and chase the thought away. Just see if you can't breathe with it. Breathe through it. And in time, maybe the breath will become in the center spotlight again. Being patient and kind. Breathing, just breathing. Breathing with. And if it's hard to stay with the breath, we 
it can be helpful to think about maybe a three-breath journey. Just seeing if you can stay connected to three breaths in a row. Feeling the beginning of the breath, the ending, the in-between, the new breath. Riding it like you might ride a surfboard on a wave. Just three breaths, a little journey. coming to the end of our practice not leaving it but but coming to the end I invite you just to see how you can gently feel intimately your next few breaths Just resting as you hear the bell. No need to quickly change. Allowing yourself a slow, a slow re-including of other experience. Just just noticing if anything has changed. Just tuning in to feel if the vibration level, the energy, the mind, the heart. What what feel what do you notice? Is it different? Are you more connected? Are you uncomfortable and need to move your body? Please feel free to take care of yourselves. And we're going to shift into a mining and question and answer, looking for the invitation to share a little bit about your experience, what you noticed. And as you do, it's an act of generosity to share. It helps others find and feel into their own experience. So please take a little stretch. Yeah. Maybe I'll take a drink of water.
Okay. So we do have the microphones. It is very, very helpful if you'll use them. These talks are recorded, and we are on YouTube right now. So it's uh, for the benefit of others that are listening that we speak into the microphones. And, um, yeah, first, maybe, what did you notice? You were a little naturalist in the wilderness of breathing. What can you tell us about your observations? There's a microphone right there. <clears throat> My name is Isabel Ocampo, and um, I, um, for for a long time in my life, I've been um, trying to find a practice, and I did find myself um, meditating some years ago, but then I just move on into different things, and things are fun in my life, but. Um, Again, I've been questioning myself every day of what am I doing? Is this it? Mm. Is there more to my life? And um, I'm very grateful that I'm here today. And for a long, after so long, I was able to just be, mm. just breathe. Mm. And I did notice that I had the need to take this really deep, profound breath. And it was like coming from my heart. Mm. It was great. I feel relief. Mm. Yeah. That's, mm. this is my experience. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Thank you. Anyone wants to share? Um, I noticed how active my mind was. Mm, Beautiful, Nancy. Um, And then after a while, it was kind of like the the rhythm of the breath was primary, but the mind was still, Mm -hmm. you know, active more in the background. So I didn't necessarily feel... Um, I don't know, um, calm necessarily in the moment, but after the bell rang, I noticed that I felt really calm. I mm. guess, like, I felt my body was so still, mm. and I didn't realize that it happened mm. um, during the meditation, so that was nice. So great that you were able to s- stay long enough, right, to feel that, to notice that. Yeah. There was a share from someone online that said, sometimes I feel paralyzed at the end of the meditation. Is this normal? Thank you for the question. Uh, without being able to have a back and forth, it's hard to know just what you mean, uh, or just, just what the specifics are of what you mean by the word paralyzed. 
but to say something. Um, you know, paralyzed can have connotations of fear. Can also have a feeling of actually physically not being able to move, which may last for some time. And I wonder how long it lasts. If I could talk to you, that's one of the things I would ask. Um, and what do you notice? What do you notice about that transition? Paralyzed can also have this other connotation, which we just heard from Nancy, which is stillness, which may actually be something really wholesome. So it's it's hard to parse without the without a, a little bit of conversation. Um, I would su- I would suspect that uh, there's a there's a gradual coming back into sort of full contact with the body that's that's happening and. Uh, it's perfectly, perfectly normal for some of the machinery to start to power down while we meditate. And then it's good to be in touch or in contact with uh, a teacher or an experienced meditator who can help just gently, gently keep you safely on the path. That's what I would say to that. Thank you. Um... I am going through some airway issues and breathing issues, so it's been interesting. Um, It's extremely hard for me to do it, Mm -hmm. which is a little bit upsetting, but, Mm -hmm. you know, want to keep trying. Yeah. And so, um, and some people have, you know, paying attention to breathing is triggering. So, you know, that's where we'll be talking about the body and so this week if it's just too much to do the breathing just just tune into your body and we'll talk more about that next week but sensations move too right there's there's ways to find that like the breath right because it's moving is a good object but you can pay attention to the sense of sitting to feeling the sensations in your body yeah Hello, thank you, dear Sangha. My name is Holly. Um, okay, so when I first started my practice 11 years ago, I was so restless I couldn't focus on the breath. I couldn't do mindfulness of the breath. So I had to learn uh, loving kindness meditation and um, samadhi with like visual objects. Mm-hmm. I think they're called like namitas or something, like colors or a candle flame. Or mm-hmm. So I haven't even bothered with mindfulness of the breath until today. Mm. And now that I've calmed myself through so much samadhi and loving kindness, mm. I've finally experienced the richness of mm. the breath meditation. Mm. But that's also to say that you don't have to mm-hmm. focus on your breath. That's right. Beautiful. Can focus on love for others, yeah. visual objects. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so respecting, respecting our each of us our own path, right? Whether it's we have body challenges, breath challenges, you know, all kinds of things. So listening, listening to what you know, what what will work. Talking, asking questions. There's a question from YouTube that I'll read. 
and then we'll um, we'll start to shift into a second set of instructions. But boy, this was so rich. I wish we had more time, right? You feel so much benefit of hearing people share their experience. Tremendous, tremendous. And so we'll also be around after the class formally ends. We'll hold the container. But if there's anything else that you want more support around or want to share afterwards, we'll be here. Okay? So um, this this is a question. Thank you from YouTube. Um, it reads, in Zen, students work with teachers closely one-on-one and do such regular meetings happen in mindfulness meditation. And so the answer to that would be probably the simplest um, answer is to come to day-long retreats where it says um, there will be uh, discussions with teachers to sign up for. Um, There is one I mentioned scheduled for September 10th, and we will be offering, you know, uh, discussions with students during that time. Um, So day-longs, half days with Gil or other teachers here on Wednesdays is a time to get... um, to talk to a teacher about your practice. They're short, 10, 15 minutes. You just kind of go in, you have a particular thing like, you know, that you're struggling with and you get a little bit of advice for practice and you go practice. Retreats are set up so that you get, um, you know, group and sometimes individual um, discussion times with teachers. So within this tradition, those are the primary ways that you get that kind of guidance and feedback and coming to a class like this where there's question and answer as well. Yeah. Okay, Koda, I'm going to hand you this little little microphone. Thanks. As we do a transition, if you want to stand up again and shake it out, or if you're comfortable, you're welcome to, you're welcome to keep your seat. But just want to give that as an option because we've been still and seated for a long time. There's this old teaching story, speaking of students and teachers, this old teaching story of a student going to a teacher and asking, what's the essence of the practice? And the teacher writes on a piece of paper one word, attention, and holds it up, shows it. And the student goes, is that all? And then the teacher takes the paper back and writes, attention, attention, and shows them the shows them the paper, actually attention over and over again. Again, this, uh, this basic notion of mindfulness that's going to travel with us across the weeks and through our practice to notice just what's happening while it's happening. Just to notice if it's pleasant or it's unpleasant. Just to notice. And for this week, 
um, establishing and nurturing this connection between attention and the breathing body, the attention and the sensations of breathing. And this doesn't, um, it's not limited to our cushion. What we're going to talk about right now is establishing a daily practice, finding your practice at home. Um, something that experience tells us is that in order to develop the skill of paying attention to what's happening while it's happening and to sort of experience the pleasures that come through the practice and the the sense of integrity and healing and goodness um, or getting in touch with something really deep in ourselves, it's very helpful to, to do the practice daily. So the encouragement, the encouragement for these five weeks is to uh, sit each day if you can. Um, I want to talk a little, just get, give a couple of things for you to consider as you're establishing a, a daily practice. One can be really helpful to do a conscious reflection at the beginning and at the end. Particular way that we're going to suggest here. At the beginning, very, very helpful to enlist the whole mind and body by saying or saying or thinking to yourself deliberately, setting the intention, now I'm going to be attentive and mindful for this period of time. It's really remarkable how much that sort of aligns the system just by making that simple in, uh, intention for yourself. And then... Um, along with that intention, making the intention to, for the, for the time being, for the, say, 20 minutes of your practice, I'm going to let go of my preoccupations. The important ones will be right there for me when I'm done. <laughs> right there. Or they'll, or they'll accompany me during the, during the whole set, but at least I have that intention. So that's the beginning of the sitting. At the end of the sitting, very helpful to... to um, Take half a minute just to reflect on how it went, just to reflect on what happened. It's not, a, it's not so much a time to evaluate or criticize or, or anything like that, but just to take the moment to um, sort of knead the water back into the dough. This is what happened. This was the mindfulness that I had. This is how this experience went. In addition to that, just like we we were hearing in the in the Q and A a few minutes ago, everyone has their their path that's unfolding for them through their own body and mind. All of us also have our own home <laughs> with its unique um, characteristics. Your context is going to present its uh, its own little its own little challenges. Some of them we have in common. Um, I mentioned the home because it, it, um, it's ideal to have a place in your home where you always do your sitting, if you have the space, have that one spot kind of out of the way so um, uh, people aren't walking by you. It's pretty quiet if that's possible. Um, so that when you go to sit down, you have the best chance of being not disturbed for that amount of time. Um, I have found it really helpful to do meditation in the morning. There's something about the machinery of the mind starting to click on. If I, if I get involved with the phone or I start reading the news or if I get into the first activity of the day, 
where it's actually harder for the mind to collect into mindfulness. So I, I try to do it at first thing in the morning if I can. Other people have a different system where it, it's almost like the, the mind and body naturally coalesce into mindfulness or collectedness in the late afternoon or in the evening. So feel into, feel into what's going to work for your own circumstances. Let's see. Something I would like to emphasize is that it, uh, if there are other, other people who live in your household, this is true for many of us, I find it really helpful to have a conversation to sort of in, not, not enlist them to hold you accountable or something. Like, I don't want someone saying, did you meditate today? But it is really helpful to, to let them know of your intention. You know, I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to, for these five weeks, I'm going to try sitting at such and such a time. It would be helpful if we could, uh, if I could have your support in that. Um, I found that particularly helpful. So the place, the time, the intention. I think the one of the takeaways I want to I want to emphasize here is that um, this is a process of experimentation, a little bit of trial and error in terms of time of day and the sort of the sort of um, context in which you're practicing. Try something out, see how it works, give it a go, make adjustments. And uh, maybe we'll learn something about learn something about how to sustain a practice at home after five weeks of trying that. We're going to move into another guided meditation. So if you'd like to find your meditation posture again, Welcome, welcome. There's cushions if you want to grab a cushion. Yeah, go ahead. We're just about to do another little meditation. So... Finding ourselves again with an alert, upright spine supported by the sitting base. Alert spine, relaxed, wide shoulders, tucked chin, and softly closed eyes. <laughs> Returning to this practice that we're emphasizing for the week. Sustaining contact between attention and the sensations of breathing. 
sustaining contact between attention, awareness, noticing, and the felt experience of breathing. Wherever it's most predominant, Maybe the nose. Maybe the sensations in the throat standing out. Maybe it's more easeful now to feel breathing in the whole body. Or to let go of the breathing and be attentive to the sense of sitting just where you are. to sustain contact. One support can be offering a very, very soft note or a label that coincides with the breathing. Say on the inhale, in. Perhaps on the exhale, out. or if you are noticing the breathing in the chest or in the belly. You may note rising with the sensations of rising, falling with the sensations of falling. It doesn't have to be the right word. but just a very simple, very soft thought to help keep you here. in this particular practice. To be attentive to the breathing just as it is naturally. 
to be a naturalist of the in-breath, whether it's long or short. A naturalist of the out-breath, long or short. Just as it is. whether the experience is pleasant or unpleasant, just to notice is enough. And with this support, a very soft whisper in the mind rising falling, or if you're aware of the whole body, maybe sitting, sitting, In this last minute of this sitting, checking in with yourself, tuning in to just how, how much effort is needed to sustain contact here and now. open your eyes. So we, we introduced um, 
very, very uh, well-known tool in this tradition during this sitting. Some traditions will count the breathing to help sustain attention, and uh, this tradition emphasizes using a tiny little note, label. Almost sounds too substantial to say that. It like, can be like a little puff, <laughs> a little in the mind. Very, very soft. And there's a way that um, it enlists the help of the thinking mind, the mind that uh, really wants to veer off into its preoccupations. It's like you're, you're making an ally of the thinking apparatus to help you be here and now and attentive. So we have another 10 minutes for sharing questions, comments, responses. Anything that came up? When you started, you kind of shared all the recommended postures, almost again like the most holistic postures. But I noticed myself fluctuating every minute. And is it more important to like just to be comfortable hmm. versus kind of still and regimented in a certain posture? Sure, sure. I, I think both of those things have their time. There's a uh, there's a time for um, practicing and cultivating a sort of skill in stillness. And it's really important, I think, to like ease into that. Ease into that. Um, you'll notice when we, when we were doing the posture instruction, I was sort of delighted when I saw people pop up and get cushions and move around a little bit. Like I said, it, it, it's very, very well worth the time to sort of invest in finding the right posture for you. Um, and I would suggest being very gentle as we move in. If your body needs to move, let it move. Um, we're pretty, uh, I'll speak for myself only, can be pretty wound up and there's a lot of unwinding that, that has to happen. So please, uh, please take care. Holly has a hand. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you, Koto, for this, and thank you. And um, very grateful to be here as well. I sometimes I find that when I'm sitting or I'm trying to meditate, I'm, I'm just emphasizing on the the effort rather than being present. Yeah. And as many people noted, sometimes it's posture that I'm thinking about or being comfortable or thinking about things from the past or worries of the future that kind of become my problems for right now. So I just, sometimes I don't know if my practice is going anywhere. Um, and, but I, I still persist because I know it's important. And I, I feel like I have, uh, I have a heightened sense of awareness now, but in that awareness, I'm like, Oh gosh, here I go again. I'm like, let me just 
try and breathe, but then I know the thoughts don't go away and everything, but it's just being okay with it mm. and all that stuff. So thank you, everyone. Can I ask you something? Yes. You said um, you know it's important. How do you know? How do you know it's important? You know, I know it's probably not important, and it's the stuff in my. It's the narrative that I've told myself over the years, and now I, in the effort of trying to sit with my thoughts and just, uh, like, just try and see them like passing clouds. I just I get confused because I don't know if it's my own thinking or the make believe. Yeah. 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 You want to say something? Sure. Unless you have a thought you want to give right away. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, What I feel inclined to say. One is I saw a lot of heads nodding. I think there's a lot of relating to the kind of experience you're describing. Um, certainly wondering, is this, is this going right? Is this going anywhere? Uh, but, I mean, look what's going on in here. One of, the, one, of the, one of the paradoxes of mindfulness practice is that as, as we begin to be established in mindfulness, we become more aware. As we become more aware, more is revealed. It may well be, actually, that things are getting more still for you, but uh, there's more visibility now. Um, possible. Possible. Though, uh, subjectively, it may not look that way. I also wanted to highlight that um, mindfulness of thinking is advanced practice. <laughs> Mindfulness of thinking takes a lot of practice, and I think, I think if we, if uh, um, sort of follow along with the instruction and sort of invest the time in each week, having the base of breathing, the base of the body, the base of mindfulness of emotion, which is often what's fueling some of the thinking, then we're in a much better position to be able to relate to thinking skillfully. So uh, maybe I want to I want to encourage you. And uh, I think um, I think your coming here was was uh, just the right thing. Yes, thank you so much. The first half day retreat I attended was with Judy Cannon. Oh yeah, and I was so excited because I was on summer vacation and and I was just like a little hesitant because I'm Catholic and I I practice every week and just you reiterating that it's okay. yeah the mindfulness and what was it Buddhism don't. You can still Buddhism be, needs mindfulness yes. is required, but but mindfulness doesn't need Buddhism. Yeah, and I, I'm glad I can still you know align myself with both. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm t- I'm tempted to say one more thing because there were so many nodding heads, and that is you know you don't have to decide if those thoughts are important or not while you're meditating. You don't have to agree with them or disagree with them. You don't have to make them go away. Um, just like respect them, let them be, and like gentle, like with respect, like as much as you can. Just like, okay, that and breathing, mm-hmm. and breathing. 
this breath. Just so that there's not this power struggle. Yeah, okay. Say one more thing. Yeah. And then we'll move on, I promise. Um, Rather than... um, Let's see, what can I say? There's a, there's a, a possibility of thinking about breathing in the foreground and letting thinking move its way to the background without the thinking necessarily having to stop. It can kind of be, say if you're sitting, sitting next to a stream and you're watching the stream go by and that's your breathing, there can be the sound of the birds or the people walking by behind you on a sidewalk or the wind in the trees. These are the thoughts. Most of your attention's here in the foreground. And it's okay. It's okay. The birds don't get in the way of the stream. Maybe time for one more, and then we'll have to transition. Hello again, thank you, everyone. Um, so I was going to say something about pain, but now I want to say something about my rest, the restlessness thing. It was mine pertained to thoughts, and I found some advice from Jack Cornfield helpful to just say label it wandering and just patiently go back to the breath over and over, no matter how many times it took. I'd get a new thought, wandering, and I. Another practice was um, just labeling them pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral thoughts. I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but I think he said that was a good idea. Sure. And then I always talk about pain. So if anyone has chronic pain, I have it too. And what I noticed today from finally practicing mindfulness of the breath again after so long um, was that the changing postures and changing where I felt the breath allowed me to almost control the amount of pain I was perceiving from my hand. Sure. So, I don't know. It's just mm. an observation. It's not like a lesson or something. Thank, thank you, Holly. Let me... Okay, I can't resist. <laughs> Find your big toe with your mind. Just bring your awareness into your big toe. You don't have to wiggle it just, just as much as you can. And if you can't find your big toe, find your thumb, whatever you can with your awareness. Just see what you can sense, whether it touches another toe or finger, coolness or warmth. Can you feel where the toenail, fingernail is versus the bottom of the toe? Okay, now take a deep breath in and let go of the toe. And feel into your belly. Bring your awareness as much as you can into the experience of the belly. See if you can relax it. Let it fall over your pants. (laughs) Feel the breath expanding in the belly. Soft belly. All right, and the next exhale, let go of the belly. And find the top of your head with your awareness. 
where that soft spot is when you're a baby. See if you can feel the hairs, the individual hairs on your head, your scalp. Just bringing your awareness there. Okay, and let go of that. What happened to the big toe when you were paying attention to the top of your head? Were you aware of your big toe? It disappeared, but it didn't. So this is the the commodity that we're working with, if you want to call it that, is awareness. And we can choose where we focus our awareness. That's the practice, right? Partly is learning to direct. And that's why you notice maybe less pain when you're paying attention to the breathing in a different part of the body. We're just redirecting the energy of awareness, what we're taking in. Yeah. All right, Koto. Love it. Thank you. So to bring us to a close, our last couple of minutes, um, again, Tanya and I will be here afterwards if you have uh, something more to share or another question comes up. No class would be quite a class without a homework assignment. And uh, we've mentioned most of these already. Um, it's perfectly fine. If you leave the class tonight, don't think about meditation for the whole week. Perfectly fine. And the way the class is built sequentially, you can get a lot of benefit if you practice, practice in between as we go along. So we recommend a daily practice. Start with 20 minutes this week. I'll have to confer with my esteemed colleague about uh, progressive increasing, but we'll talk about that. So 20 minutes, one time a day, and focus on mindfulness of the breathing as we practiced it. There's a, there's a handout that's available online, and there are a few there on the end of the stage also that have instructions and also review of some of the major points. Second thing is to choose some routine activity that you do during the day. Could be brushing your teeth, could be wash, washing the dishes, you know, walking here or there. And experiment with doing that with a little mindfulness, careful attention. So um, don't have your radio on in the background, conversation going on, just that one thing. Just this, well, well it's time to do this. Thich Nhat Hanh, I think, loved washing the dishes. And then the third thing is that, um, similar to the second, extending this mindfulness practice off the cushion, because the boundary is arbitrary between the cushion and everything else in your life. Tuning into the sensations of the body while you're doing any normal activity for about half an hour. Uh, you try doing that once this week and see how that goes. Um, and then after, after, after tuning in for that half an hour, just check in. What happened? How was that? Kind of like the reflections we recommend at the end of the sittings. Is there any change that I notice? Is there any bit of well-being here? Am I more agitated than I was at the beginning? If it's not what you expect, that's the path. 
If you're aware enough to notice, you're doing the practice, whatever it looks like. I want to extend my thanks to all of you. I am really delighted. So nice to be here with you at IMC. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting to know each of you a little bit as we go. Um, Tanya, is there anything you would like to say to close? You can't do it wrong. Okay? Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much.